Welcome to episode 92 of the Grip Strip Podcast. The uh, We're starting to go through this whole cycle again. That basically started the show. But we're doing recap season just before Christmas edition of the Grip Strip Podcast. My name is Phil Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Refine. What's good, brother? Yeah, I'm doing great, Phil. Of course, uh, it is right before Christmas. According to this, two days before Christmas, right before Christmas Eve. And, you know, happy Merry Christmas to everybody. Happy New Year to everybody. So uh, glad to be on. And, of course, go over Formula One stuff and all the news and notes. Is Lewis Hamilton going to walk on Formula One? Or is he going to come back in 2022? We'll have to find out, wait and see. He just unfollowed everybody on Instagram. So we'll see. I mean, should be funny, though, because he should just hit uh, or follow uh, Red Bull. And then that'd be the one car he was following all season. But, yep. you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then, of course, 49ers on versus the Tennessee Titans. And uh, they're up 10-0. But, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo struggling early, though. Yeah, I mean, he's had his stat line shows better than what it seems like uh, through an interception that I didn't see. Try to throw at least another interception there. Somebody, I think, but Jermaine Dupree, I think, drove him into the ground just now. And then Mitch Wisnowski proved once again why punting is not. I mean, I, Pat McAfee's an athlete. Yes, he is because he's tackled people before and he's played uh, whatever. But I'm telling you, Mitch Wisnowski is god awful. Um, Tennessee has field position. They're playing off AJ Brown as though AJ Brown has the vid or something. Um, but it's just the Niners' terrible zone coverage and the fact that their cornerbacks do not know how to cover anybody. And I mean, it's like, why just take off coverage on Julio Jones? That'd be a novel concept because the guy yeah. hasn't been healthy in Julio about five years. Right now. He's washed. Yeah. So it's like, why don't you just not cover him? You put a safety on him, single high. You play single high with a, with a roaming safety on and Tannehill will get confused and he might start throwing picks or something because that's what's been going on. But um. yeah, we're going to go over Formula One tonight. We're going to go into fantasy football. And my um, uh, demise and Josh being able to get through beating Joey. Uh, basically, the fifth place matchup is the two teams that had the worst luck in the whole entire league. So Josh is the one player that could be a new winner of the uh, the league, the fall brawl league, because the other three players that are left have won before. And um, Wilson's a multi-time champion in recent years. Joey was, it has basically been Wilson and Joey in recent years. Um, I'm the five time champion, and uh, but I didn't get a chance to go for six uh, because my team shit the bed. Um, Josh was able to get through, so we'll see. I'm kind of torn because it's two of my two of my best friends, another close friend, but Josh is one of my good friends, and you know. It'll be cool. No matter what, it's going to be an interesting winner here this year of the Fall Brawl League. We'll get into that as well um, and any Christmas plans and stuff going on um, while, you know, fighting through this Omicron nonsense, getting exposed and, you know, trying to even though the vaccine, you're, you can have the vaccine, you still can get it. So it's just trying to be careful. Work was sketchy. Places I'm going, sketchy. So it's a tough time, especially when we're getting into this Christmas season, trying to be around family and loved ones and people that we are close to. Uh, but um, let's get into Formula One. I mean, it, it all basically revolves around uh, Fish Lips, uh, the now world champion, the first world champion that hasn't run against Michael Schumacher in 37 years or some crap like that. So longer than I've been alive. 
Um, that's the that is crazy. Um, Nikki, so it was Nikki Lauda. So <laughs> that's the last world champion that hadn't run against Michael Schumacher. Um, Max Verstappen's that guy, and uh, Red Bull had a, a high rate car versus the Mercedes low rake that I asked Martin also had the same car. So, oh, hello, MJ Acosta. Um, the um, that package was not as advantageous with this rule with the rules changes that had come through. Uh, Mercedes was on the back foot at test during testing to Red Bull. And and to be fair, Max Verstappen more or less had um, established himself early on in the year as the guy to beat. Um, yes, Lewis did win. I mean, I'm going to go through, we'll go through uh, the results of the season in regards to the winners. I mean, Lewis won Bahrain, but then Max Verstappen responded at Imola. Um, Lewis Hamilton needed needed to a full restart after he ran off the track to, and unlap himself to get back uh, to uh, second. And then you have, and of course, AJ Brown gets open again. Um, and there's two guys on him. He still got open. Uh, Lewis Hamilton had won three of the first four races, but Monte Carlo was the first turning point of the year where uh, Max Verstappen truly dominated the race. He led every lap um, because Charles Leclerc crashed out of qualifying and wasn't able to repair his car. So he basically had de facto pole. Lewis Hamilton started seventh, finished seventh. And you have Valtteri Bottas who started third and then pitted and they couldn't get a wheel nut off for four days. Um, and that was really the first major turning point in the season. At that point in the season, I mean, I can't really go back in regards to the points, but uh, I think that was where where Max took the points lead for the first time um, because of the gap. So for took the points lead there, and then it started a trend uh, from there. I mean, Sergio Perez ended up winning Baku, but the reality was Max Verstappen dominated the race and blew a tire. Lewis Hamilton had a chance on the restart to go and get the lead and win. Blew the restart, went off, finished last. Sergio Perez ends up getting his first win for Red Bull. And that would play um, big in the um, final results, uh, Sergio Perez. Then a run of three consecutive wins for Max Verstappen from pole. Uh, Paul Riccardi had to come back. Uh, he pitted late, came back, and passed Lewis. And then the Spielberg domination there, no lead changes in either race, lights to flag victories in both of those. Um, the second turning point was Silverstone, where uh, Max Verstappen, after the, the sprint race, had a 33-point lead. Um, Lewis offered and tried to make a pass on the outside, going through cops, and uh, in the sprint race, and it didn't work. Um, during the actual race, he made an effort and attempt to make a pass uh, on the inside, and he was there. You can There will be arguments amongst both sides of the aisle in regards to how far he was there, whether it was, you know, you can get into whatever. But the reality of the world was he was there. Uh, Max, with a 33-point lead, if he was smarter, um, and maybe one day he will be, uh, could have let him go and he would have still had a 27 point lead or whatever, 28, 25 point lead 
after that race, even if he lets Lewis Hamilton go in that spot. Instead, uh, he chops him off, gets uh, sent into the wall and goes to the hospital. Lewis Hamilton goes and wins the race and cuts that deficit down to eight. Uh, Esteban Ocon at Hungaro ring. There was a huge crash. Um, Valtteri Botas Arca braked into most of the field. Um, Mercedes, with their amazing strategy, uh, left Lewis Hamilton out on the racetrack while everybody else pitted. And Lewis Hamilton had come all the way back, got held up by Fernando Alonso, and um, finished second or third to Esteban Ocon and and Sebastian Vettel. Uh, Then the farce, which was the uh, Grand Prix of Belgium, uh, it wasn't even a Grand Prix. They drove around 11 laps under a pace car in misting wet conditions. Uh, Zanfort, which was the Max Verstappen Grand Prix domination there. Uh, Monza, which uh, was a second instance of uh, Max and Lewis. In this case, Max decided to park his car on top of Lewis's head, uh, a la Ayrton Senna and, uh, and uh, Martin Brundle in Formula 3 days. Um, I mean, that was pretty blatant uh, and useful. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I guess we'll stop at that point. So that had been two incidents, Josh, for Max and Lewis. Uh, Max's driving standards, Lewis's driving standards, we can get into that separately. But for most of the season, you look at it, Max was the dominant figure. Lewis had kind of hunted and pecked, you know, gotten points here and there, kept it within reason i'm i mean i came on here and multiple times and basically said it was over um we're gonna get into one of those in instances where i said it was over here soon but you know after monza uh it wasn't looking great for lewis it was two-thirds of the way through the season max had won what does it work out to be here or six races to lewis's four uh, Max had been more or less the dominant figure. He's, he'd qualified on pole in uh, three, four, five of the races versus Lewis's uh, one. So, I mean, that the the, the speed in one lap, quali- one lap qualifying was definitely in Max's favor. A lot of the other things were in Max's favor at that point. But I guess we look at the season. I mean, we're just kind of glossing over it, but... At that point, it really looked like Red Bull kind of had control, right? I mean, there was real. It didn't really seem like Mercedes had much of an answer other than Lewis Hamilton being Lewis Hamilton to try and possibly change the the whole complexion of this World Championship. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think of course, you know, starting back at the beginning of the year, I think with uh, Red Bull specifically and Verstappen, like you you could see the pace that they had compared to. Uh, Mercedes and especially Lewis, but I think one key thing uh, that happened, especially at the beginning of the season, was the mistakes that Red Bull made, especially the beginning race of the year. Uh, Verstappen had a chance exactly. to win that race and yep. then got a penalty uh, and should have won that race. Probably uh, he would have uh, kept his line cleaner and everything going for the win versus Hamilton uh, in that race. And you know, of course, that would have been uh, seven points there and would have added to Verstappen's title. Then you talk about. Uh, what happened at Silverstone could have let him go on the first lap and uh, let it play out, especially they still had, I mean, he, he did have DRS coming up um, uh, later on in that lap. Of course, uh, if he would have stayed close enough to Lewis, 
Uh, you look at uh, Baku, um, I mean, that's not really his fault, the tire failure for uh, Max, but uh, Lewis had a chance, of course, to uh, have that restart. Then, you know, go, going along the way down to Monza, I mean, they, they got into it again and they took themselves out. And then that opened the door for Daniel Ricardo to fulfill his promise, uh, his bet to uh, Zach Brown uh, there. But uh, I mean, throughout that year, I mean, up until that point, yeah, I think I think uh, Red Bull did have the pace advantage. Although I will say that at least in qualifying, it did look like um, at least uh, Red Bull could keep up or Mercedes could keep up with Red Bull in qualifying. But other than that, I, um, I think it was just more about like the execution of their strategy. And like you said, there was a lot of points during uh, up to that point where we questioned Mercedes strategy and we still questioned it, but um, at that point it uh, looked definitely like Verstappen was going to win the title. Um, I think Mercedes talked about, you talked about how they left him out uh, to dry and hungry uh, and he didn't pit everybody else uh, pitted for, uh, for Lewis. Uh, that was another critical situation because it left him out there and he definitely had a, a tough time uh, finishing that race, uh, especially uh, uh, since Mercedes or since uh, Mer uh, Verstappen, sorry, uh, got into that incident with uh, Valtteri Botas. And uh, it, I mean, it should have been a situation for uh, Lewis to win that race. Uh, they kind of gave that one away. And uh, I mean, again, that, that could have been points that he could have been, uh, helpful for him in the uh, championship finale there uh, at Abu Dhabi. But I mean, all the way through that, I mean, there's just a theme of kind of mistakes uh, from both teams, from both drivers. And then of course uh, the driving standards as well. Um, I mean, you can argue for uh, Silverstone uh, Lewis getting into it with Max. He could have made the apex there uh, in that corner. Um, I mean, later on in that race, he saw, uh, him pass Leclerc for the win and Leclerc, I mean, to his, uh, in, in fairness, Sammy gave him a lot of room to pass, uh, into that corner. And, um, Lewis is able to make the corner, but I mean, in the first lap, maybe he didn't have to be for, uh, for, for stopping to be so aggressive, but yeah, it's just a story of kind of mistakes, but then also just, um, the ability for both of the teams to have speed. And we didn't really, we didn't really know who, who had the best car. I mean, we kind of thought that it was Red Bull, but, um, I think they they let themselves get in the way of that argument. Yeah, and that's that's one thing where we look at what ended up transpiring at the end, which we'll get into here um, momentarily. Red Bull really could have won this championship well before we got to uh, Abu Dhabi, and it's basically because of you know, Max Verstappen and his decision. Uh, making at times and also to a lesser extent Red Bull and the way they kind of carry themselves um, handle situations I'd forgotten about Bahrain and so good call on that I mean I went and looked back again I'm like yeah he was the better car that that night um, that day and Lewis was able to to pounce on the mistake and they won with a car that was behind and it had a lot of feels of the 2011, like I was, I brought it up here, the 2011 NASCAR Cup Series Championship. And in other ways, it had kind of feelings of 1993 Formula One, which was the first year I watched Formula One. You had Alan Prost, who had the dominant car, team, everything, every electronic, all, everything was set so that 
they said that at that point that Williams could win should win every race because a year before uh Nigel Mansell had won nine races Ricardo Patrese I think won three or four or something they uh, yeah they were through two and what is it Michael Schumacher won one and and or two or three yeah I'm trying to do the nine and two or yeah i think senna won four races that year uh but he still finished behind michael schumacher in the points because the mclaren was crap but in 93 they said that williams could win every race it qualified on pole every race i think uh sands won uh which was the australian grand prix which was the last race that senna drove for mclaren um so and then you had senna in a car which had b ford engines the electronics weren't as good per se the the car was nowhere near the williams car and senna took that car and won the first or won two of the first three races of the season was actually leading the world championship before red bull i mean before williams and Prost started going in and taking their advantage i mean uh, of course everyone remembers uh european grand prix 93 fifth to first he won the brazilian grand prix because alan Prost couldn't drive in the rain or hated driving in the rain because of the Didier Peroni crash in 82. He won Monaco, he won Monaco in dominant fashion. I mean, the, but when it was dry and there were no like extenuating circumstances, Alan Pross was a dominant figure. Same thing happened here. When Lewis was able to pounce on some sort of mistake or take advantage of adverse conditions. I mean, Portimao, I think was kind of the outlier in that because they had a great run at Portimao last fall and um, the Mercedes car I think is well suited to that racetrack Uh, but outside of that to be fair um, a lot of these races I think Red Bull um, left points on the table uh, and Lewis was able to actually go and kind of take advantage of them but then once Monaco came along that was that turning point the street courses the tighter circuits that was where the the Red Bull uh, had their definitive pace advantage. You also add the notion of uh, Max Verstappen on one lap pace was able to compete against Lewis uh, for the first time because Honda was, I guess, able to make a brand new engine. Uh, I saw that on posts during on Twitter here the last few days. It's like, oh yeah, you know, Max Verstappen made some backhanded comments about Lewis in the media because that's what kind of person he is. And it's like, well, yeah, Honda, who's leaving this sport for the 85th time, uh, will somehow or another be able to make a brand new engine that was better than the Mercedes. It's been the best engine on on the grid for the last seven years, um, conveniently. And then they complained when Mercedes actually went and upgraded their power unit for the last two months of the season, and they were getting their ass kicked. Uh well, that's that's something to look at. Um, you know, we talked about uh, Josh mentioned the fact that uh, Ricardo was able to get get his ride in the Blue Goose uh, because of his win in the Italian Grand Prix, uh, beating his teammate Lando Norris, who was probably in a lot of ways the third best driver this year for most of the year, and. Uh, at Spa, he was on a lap that would have put him on pole and would have de facto won him the race. And that would have played a role in this championship, to be fair. Um, instead, he crashes hard, doesn't even, um, I don't even think he started that race. 
Uh, I don't remember uh, off the top. I have to go look at it. But um, I don't think they were able to. Well, they ended up. Yeah, uh, they had Lando start. Or no, that was Sanford previous. Before that, uh, Lando Norris was 14th after he started 15th because he took grid spot penalties, I think, um, for all the the stuff they had to repair. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, that's that's the, you know, he was on pole. He was going to qualify on pole. He was running. He was third in points, and he was going to qualify on pole for that race, crashed after, outside of Rouge huge. And from that moment on, even with the McLaren stuff, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, but I think that was, we talk about turning points, momentum shifts. That was a huge momentum shift for McLaren, even with the one-two at the Italian Grand Prix which was basically assisted by Max Verstappen parking his car on Lewis's head. Um, from there, you get into Sochi, which was the um, historic 100th win for Lewis Hamilton. And I don't think that that was, I kind of had a bad feeling that's where it was going to happen, and it did. Lando qualified on pole the day before, had the dominant car. It was between him and his BFF Carlos Sainz. They had led 42 laps. Uh, you know, Sergio Perez led eight laps. The reality is, uh, what is it? Uh, Max Verstappen started dead last. He took grid penalties, engine penalties, a whole bit. He was in the top 10, I think, in five laps. He was in the top five within 10 or something. That run and his recovery with the rain that came along and Lando and McLaren effing that whole situation up, his ability, because he was so far back in sixth at that point late in the race, to pit and and undercut all these other drivers was a big that might have been that might have been the race if they're like people don't want anything about oh this race was the difference or that race was the difference everyone wants to point at it the russian grand prix starting dead last at a track where you can't pass and you were able to pass most of the field and take advantage of that plus take advantage of the weather conditions the adverse weather conditions and strat that was a there's nowhere there's no way that most drivers come back from 20th and finish second. Max Verstappen did that. He's a tool, but that was the world championship drive right there. Not what he did at at Abu Dhabi, which we'll talk about. The drive at Sochi starting dead last was the drive that probably won him the world championship because he consolidated his points loss. He only lost seven points that day to Lewis Hamilton in a race where he probably was looking at finishing fifth or sixth. And you look at Valtteri Bottas, who finished fifth, that would have been 15 points. The points battle, I think it would end up being one point uh, at the end of the day um, after what, what transpired. But that was a huge uh, race there. Um, Istanbul, uh, the Turkish Grand Prix, saw Valtteri Bottas show up randomly. Uh, he dominated that race. Uh, was it Charles Leclerc from third led, but that will probably be Valtteri Bottas's last win, but Verstappen finished second. Lewis Hamilton took grid penalties that race and only finished fifth. So he lost eight points. And in the final results there, he, in the final standings, he lost by eight points. Um, he was not able to get past Charles Leclerc. 
he was he had a struggle to get around Pierre Gasly and the the Perez, Leclerc, Hamilton, they were all kind of in a battle for a while there in that Turkish Grand Prix. So the strategic uh usage of the grid penalties also played a role, Josh. And um everybody had to take engine penalties because I think they have stupid rules in regards to these grid penalties. And um Valtteri Botas had got kind of crazy to the point where he was on like sixth the sixth unit of whatever like sixth piece of whatever part of the um ice and because they were just trying to manipulate stuff and then they were starting the same way red bull was doing with sergio perez um i think that when you have so many grand prix you should be able to have four components four of each component so that it might actually be oh it cost it's like here's your cost it's you want to run 25 races you want to run a nascar schedule you need to be able to have components that are able to be refreshed and reused enough and have the people and the resources to do it. That There is going to be a cost to that. Um, Formula One is not uh, a cheap sport, and it's kind of like what sports cars is going to go down. That road is going to, it's going to go down that same kind of road, even with a cost cap, which Formula One, of course, is going to bring into play this year, uh, starting, I mean, starting next year. Uh, but, I mean, you look at those, those two races, uh, Red Bull was able to um, somehow or another make passes at Sochi um, and take advantage of that situation. While at Turkey, uh, Lewis, who has won there before and has done relatively well there, struggled. And uh, I mean, Botas ends up winning the race basic from pole. Uh, so they had pace and he had pace too, Lewis did. Um, I forget if, yeah, he took a 10 grid slot penalty. He qualified on de facto pole. So, I mean, I, I guess, I, I don't even know if we're talking a, a discussion about grid penalties or anything like that, but it's, there. there's little, there's situations in a season. And when you think about how long this season went, that maybe this whole deal was really decided a long time before it really was decided. I honestly believe that performance at Russia was the performance that won Max Verstappen in his world championship there and Red Bull because they had the better they were thinking ahead Mercedes decided okay we know we're gonna have to take penalties so we'll go and take it at Turkey thinking that would be more advantageous for them but in turn they didn't put themselves in the right position whatever it may be um what do you think about that uh in regards to what Red Bull was able to do relative to Mercedes and how that kind of goes across what transpired here this year yeah I think for Red Bull they I mean they took advantage of the grid penalty at uh Russia, and they were able to make their way through the field. And I mean, they benefited from the rain uh, coming out when it did, and they were able to make up Definitely. a ton of spots because I think without that, uh, they may have not gotten that result. And I think on the flip side of that, I mean, Lando Norris led a bunch of that race, and then uh, they messed up on, you know, they stayed out too long on the uh, regular tires and before they went to the intermediates, the wet tires. And uh, Lewis was able to come in at the right time and still uh, change his tires and make it back out there and past uh, Lando Norris to pick up that win. So it's a key uh, dynamic there. But I think overall with the, I mean, the grid penalties, I mean, they're, um, they are what they are. I mean, uh, I think it just depends on uh, what your team 
is doing at that uh, point to warrant the penalty. Um, I think, especially with the, the engine penalties, you talked about it earlier, like the engine penalties, I mean, the teams are upgrading the parts. Um, they need to be able to uh, change out the engines throughout the season, make them last. Um, so it's bound to happen at some point. It's just a matter of when you decide uh, to accept the penalty. And I think, you know, you talk about the Turkey Grand Prix. Well, um, I think when you have, uh, especially like for Lewis, like, I mean, Lewis is the the top dog. And um, I mean, he, he's, you're right. He, he took the pole in that race and then took a grid penalty back to 11th uh, for it. But uh, I mean, if that didn't happen, I mean, he could have had a good chance to uh, win the race, but of course he was too far back and then he had a struggle. And I think that was just a, a bad stretch of races as well for uh, Lewis. Um, and if you include Austin, uh, the U S grand prix into that, cause I mean, I remember, uh, you know, you were pretty down at that point. Uh, you thought it was over like for sure, especially with, uh, Verstappen winning the U S GP over Hamilton. Um, I mean, it was a, uh, that one was a pretty significant turning point. I mean, we'll talk about that one more in depth in a minute, but I mean, I'm, you know, with, uh, the way Lewis was at that race and then at Turkey, I mean, we thought it, this one was totally done and it was uh, all max for stopping, but I mean, there are little things that happen over the course of the season that, you know, you go back and you look, uh, okay, well, could have had points here, could have had points there and, um, could have gone in either direction for, um, max or Lewis. I mean, max, of course, you know, even, even at like, you know, some of these races, like if he would have won, uh, the Russian Grand Prix could have been over uh, or would have been his title uh, before they got to Abu Dhabi, probably. Yeah. Or if Lewis uh, didn't win uh, the Russian Grand Prix, then and it went to Lando Norris, then could have uh, obviously been, uh, you know, a lot harder for Lewis to try to win the title. So, I mean, there are little factors and little things that go into the season that, um, you know, I think are, you know, many turning points or many, uh, you know, things that could have happened and then that all ultimately culminates and and how the uh the title played out at Abu Dhabi. Well it all played a role, uh to be fair. Uh this whole season. It was the most dramatic title fight since uh, that wasn't an intra team battle since uh oh, that was a good defense there by Jimmy Ward. And they probably got pushed off on by AJ Brown. Um there's uh best uh battle since twenty twelve, which was uh, Vettel versus Alonzo, and I was thinking about that as we were, uh, as I was thinking about the show itself, and how you know now all these years later, Vettel and Alonzo are still around. Uh, I mean, albeit Alonzo returned to Formula One, his third tour duty with the team from Enstone, which is now Alpine. Uh, back then, it was Ferrari when he when he when he was going for the championship, and then uh, Vettel was running for Red Bull. Now he's driving for the team that was originally Jordan. That's the Silverstone-based team. Uh, now is Stroll F1 slash Aston Martin. So it was interesting there. Uh, Sebastian Vettel did have uh, his day in the sun. He did plenty of great things. We saw on social media. He was great with a lot of the um, you know things for human rights and uh, for people that are LGBTQ. I mean, there there are a lot of positive moments for Vettel. Um, he came close to winning the Hungarian Grand Prix. Would have been a big one for him. Uh, first win in a while. First win in a few years. But uh, fell short to Ocon there in that spot. 
a great battle they had that day. Uh, Alonso was probably the best defender outside of Sergio Perez in a race that we're going to talk about here in a moment. Uh, his defense might have been a part of uh, helping uh, uh, Fish Lips win the world championship. Uh, that was a good hit there. Um, it's good. You know, I'm sitting here watching the Niner game live while um, we're doing this race. Uh, and I've got a recap. So, I mean, it might be on delay. It depends on we might have different feeds because I don't know how it works. Well, with the cable, you're calling but... it about two seconds before it happens. Yeah. Two to five seconds. So, yeah. So, yeah. No, it's a, yeah, like earlier, you're talking about that punt that happened. Uh, that was really bad. And that happened about five seconds before it happened on my feed. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, the Niners are up 10, nothing, and they should probably be up more uh, to be fair, but now Titans are driving here in the second half. AJ Brown's back in the game. Uh, as I was talking about, you know, the best battle for the championship, lots of fans, because of Drive to Survive uh, on Netflix as somebody who recently in the last few months actually finally got a Netflix subscription, uh, being able to watch the show and watching it from the fan, from the, you know, passionate longtime fan perspective and the knowledge that I have. I'm not sure on your side, Josh, if you had been watching Drive to Survive the whole way or if you've been watching it. Um, have you been, have you, no, you I just it? started. So I, I started it like a few weeks ago, actually, like, it's crazy. Like, you know, we talk about Formula One every week on the show or almost every week. And yet, um, I haven't, you know, ever yeah. watched the show. And like, I know, I don't know a whole lot of people that do, but I mean, it seems like, yeah, a lot of people that here in, in America overall, uh, have gotten, into the formula one because of the show which yeah. is good for growing the fan base and everything but i mean yeah as for myself like i i started the first episode like a few weeks ago uh and then like and that was like what 2019 or 2018 so because uh, they've done what three seasons now i guess of it and this will be the fourth season uh for 2021 that'll come out next year they're but, gonna get their money's worth yeah yeah definitely gonna get their money's worth and i mean if you uh, you know if you're haven't watched it yet or you um you know need to watch it like yeah go watch it now uh you know it's christmas break or whatever you'll get through all the episodes uh in no time and then you'll be ready for season four uh coming out next year or you know you can just go watch the real f1 <laughs> until then and then pick it up on season four so however you want to yeah. watch it but yeah i mean definitely puts f1 in a different light and uh, makes it a lot more dramatic than it is, but same time, um, you know, you got to be able to reach out to people and get them uh, excited for the sport, I guess. Yeah, and I think what we saw here in this last part of the season uh, will play a great part in what Drive to Survive will be showing. Uh, that could have been a big deal. Um, uh, Maggot Boy could have gotten that one on the previous play. They got out of that Tennessee's going to score points. Um, I mean, the we get into after Turkey, uh, Max Verstappen was able to hold off Lewis Hamilton late at the U.S. Grand Prix in Austin. 400,000 people. Um, one of the biggest get togethers has been in the United States uh, since COVID. Uh, I have a hard time believing we're going to have anything like that for a while. A great battle between the two of them. Lewis ended up having the fastest lap. In that race, but 
in the end, Max Verstappen wins at Lewis's house, uh, Circuit of the Americas. Uh, he, they were up by 42 seconds on third place, which was Sergio Perez. And that was a that was a big one there. Uh, you know, Lewis, he, he didn't win pole. He didn't win the race. He had a chance. I think that was the first race there after the break at, in, in Istanbul. That was the first race where I think Mercedes finally was like, all right, we have, what does this work out to be? Six races to go. Uh, Constructors Championship is very tight. It, it could go either way. Red Bull gets a 1-3 in that spot. It was really uh, looking like Mercedes is going to lose both championships there. Um, Mexico City, the fi- the next race where the Mercedes duo is on the front row and they let Max Verstappen go by uh, and then Valtteri Bottas gets into it with, uh, I forget who it was, uh, in, in, in an incident there. Uh, Verstappen ends up winning by 16 and a half seconds and almost uh, Perez at home almost gets a Red Bull 1-2. I think after that race, I basically uh, decided that the championship was over uh, for a second time. I think I had said uh, uh, prior to the British Grand Prix that Lewis Hamilton had to win that race for this to actually keep going. Yeah, you did uh, say that. I remember that. Yeah, and then I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure there was somewhere in between there. I feel, I know for sure it was after after the Aust- the second Austrian Grand Prix because they ran two weeks in a row there and Mexico City. I know I, I had buried, I buried Lewis twice. So... I, I mean, I remember I was listening to you on Grid Talk post USGP, and you basically declared it over. That's what I remember. Yeah, uh, from that. Yeah, and then he lost, and then they got destroyed at at Mexico City. And um, what transpired after that uh, is literally a combination of Lewis Hamilton being one of the greatest racing drivers ever and uh whatever upgrades that mercedes decided to put in but it's really it it has it's the because you look at 1993 formula one as i made or made the comment and comparison earlier what is it uh williams they had won the championship or basically the championship was over so they weren't really developing the car oh that's an interception and that's a pick six that is such a bad throw um fuck you Jamalo. what a bitch um the the fact that um Rhett and mclaren knew they were going to lose senna to williams and they were still developing their car but and Damon Hill had kind of started to show his ability, uh, whatever that was, while Prost had kind of started slowing down and knowing he was going to win this championship. The McLaren car started building up, uh, you know, and and Senna ended up winning the Japanese Grand Prix and the Australian Grand Prix. Well, I think the weekend that Lewis had at the Brazilian Grand Prix in um, which was and he made the comment. I mean, he has plenty of fans in in Austin uh, in the U.S. Grand Prix. I mean, the Orange Army was there 
like their maggot army is most places but um lewis's fans were there at austin but it wasn't like a massive crowd they were being overpowered uh like the orange army was most of the places uh that wasn't the british grand prix he made the comment at brazil i mean the brazilian grand prix weekend was weird to say the least he got penalized then he had a he had to do grid penalties for an engine and other stuff so he started dead last in the in the sprint race ended up going and coming up to fifth took a five grid spot penalty and started 10th ran up all the way to the front got ran off the racetrack because max Verstappen doesn't know how to take an apex of a corner when he's battling somebody and they didn't say anything about it went after it again recharged came back and was able to um that's a tutty oh man he dropped it holy crap yeah shut up ambry thomas that that might be like the second play you've made all year fuck you um you're you're listening to Josh Norman. I mean, if you want to talk about a crappy corner to learn from, uh, well, that was a great play. I, I have to say, he didn't even turn around on that one, which is funny. Um, the the race that Lewis had, the weekend that Lewis had there at Interlagos, and basically, you know, you know, and that's a touchdown. Um, and then uh, the to go and win that. And kind of start turning the corner uh, there for because Red Bull they had it. I mean the constructors championship was not in their favor. I think Red Bull was like, "Ah, screw the constructors. Yeah, we would want to win it for Honda and all that," but they weren't as worried about that. They were worried about Max winning the world championship. But that Brazilian Grand Prix weekend was one of the greatest weekends I've ever seen. Um, and anybody who I guess outside of Max Verstappen fans you have to go and you have to give the credit where credit's due lewis at no point during that weekend was given an opportunity to truly show the or i mean i get i guess you could say that he was able to show how great he was and how great that car was on that circuit uh there's talk this past week is like they should have the final race of the season at brazil i'd be all for that i'd be all for having anywhere i guess bahrain is the first race and having brazil's last race and you can go put in all the other races in between that i think that would be pretty good because bahrain you have multiple drs zones at brazil you have multiple drs zones hopefully the new car which we'll talk about will kind of mitigate having to have multiple drs zones but that brazilian grand prix weekend i i went from i had all kinds of emotions he had had great fast pace and practice but then he was taking penalties or whatever between him and max argy bargy they were having with each other there there was a i think there was a rules infraction there um oh the rear wing yeah argy bargy between lewis and max rear wing drs uh the flap was the whatever the mechanism that activated the flap was not was not legal or whatever i guess is what they said which then sent him to tailback because you can't have that piece on the car he drove from 20th to fifth in a third of a race uh that's akin to max's race which was i think not even 23 laps he he, it was in the final five or 10 laps of that race in sochi where he went from being non-factor and kind of being out in the woods and gonna lose big points to lewis 
to getting back to second. Um, in that race, Lewis ended up losing three points to Max. He lost the championship by eight to Max, so it really didn't make a difference in that spot. Um, but he did what was he ended up making the points difference five because he won the race or four I, I, because I, I what is it? What did he do in the Brazilian Grand Prix? Um, go over here in Terlagos. Yeah, it was five, three, two. Yeah. In the end, after everything that happened that weekend, Lewis Hamilton gained two points on Max Verstappen because um, Max ended up having the fastest lap. Um, yeah, he won the sprint race too. And he won the sprint race too. Um, oh, no, he didn't have the fastest lap. So how the. Oh, so they're counting. I don't understand that. It says he has 20 points. It should be 18 points. Oh, it's okay. So. They're giving him two, it's 25, 18, six, because it would be, oh no, because no, he didn't win the sprint race. He won, he finished second in the sprint race. So that's what it is. So he, they're gain, giving him the points that he gained in the sprint race. So it was a five point. So he, he, he had gained five points in the end. So Lewis had five points in the regular race, lost two. So it was like a net three-point gain um in the drivers championship um and that i mean that that race was epic uh it was one of the the emotions that i felt through the month of november i have a watch i had my old watch i have a new one now the emotions that i felt between uh, the brazilian grand prix the qatar grand prix and then the the rights out and away we go grand prix at Jetta, and I was having issues with meds and all that because of god dang prescriptions and the bullshit that insurance companies do. Those three races um, probably took a few years off of my life. Uh, at the Qatar Grand Prix, it was pretty much straightforward. Lewis led lights to flag. Uh, Max Verstappen had a penalty for a qualifying infraction, and um, that in turn kind of helped the process. Uh, Lewis Hamilton started on pole over Gasly on the front row. Fernando Alonso, uh, who is a kind of a pseudo troll, but in the end, I've learned to like Fernando Alonso, even though I know he's, he trolls Lewis, even though Lewis is better than him. Um, but the fact of the matter is Fernando Alonso is a great race car driver. He might be a douche as a person in, in certain things, but you can't deny the how great Alonzo is and that was one of the and, and I've kind of become a fan of him because he's he's just a great driver and he's done it in so many different vehicles uh his performance at the Qatar Grand Prix was great to get that podium and the Alpine uh Getting three five there in that spot was uh, that's a good break broken tackle. Okay, that's first down. All right. Um, basically ended fifth in the constructors for them, uh, which to be fair, considering what they were doing this season, I don't know if they really thought they were going to get fifth in constructors. So uh, the Qatar Grand Prix gave me a little bit of hope. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix uh, put me over the edge, and I was looking at the numbers on our show 
uh, Josh, and I think that might have been the most listened to show we had, uh, the show after the uh, Saudi Grand Prix. Yeah, we have to take a look at that. Because <laughs> um, we both went off on our own rants and tangents. I went old school, like I was on the NASCast and any of the other areas that I've been on that were not clean, um, fill in the blank, whatever it was. But, you know, some of the pages we've been on, uh, Mike Sanders page, uh, you know, what rants that I've went on there. But, you know, it's... That race, before we even get into Abu Dhabi, was a race that, you know, we were both NASCAR people. And that's why one of the first reasons why we were friends, we're both NASCAR fans, and we met on that Michael Sanders page. But NASCAR has become this kind of like WWE manipulated uh, results kind of deal. And the Saudi Grand Prix had all the aspects of WWE. You had bullshit going on. You have restarts and bad, you know, calls that are that are questionable calls. You had farcical yeah, calls, wrecks. restart wrecks. I mean, it was circus atmosphere. Um, and the track was not, it wasn't a Formula One racetrack. You know, they run Monaco because it's Monaco. Uh, to be fair, there's no way on earth that that should be a Formula One circuit other than it's basically grandfathered in. Um, they gave shit to Sa- Silverstone, Imol- Monza, et cetera, et cetera. Great racetracks. Spas basically now, they were showing, I saw pictures earlier today where because of mudslides and they've had to remove all the grandstands out of the um, La Source hairpin uh to and then going down the hill towards Eau Rouge they're they're gonna have to do Eau Rouge and Radion over because of all the massive crashes I think they're gonna probably make Eau Rouge and Radion more like what it used to be uh back in the I guess 70s whatever early 80s make it more of a hard more of a 90 degree corner or like a a 70 a 75 degree corner or whatever 60 I mean, you're the math guy, but it was more of a uh, a chicane, a harder breaking chicane and couple down chain chicane than what it had become in the 80s where where the the big accident started the um, the wreck that took Stefan Veloff's uh, life and so on and so forth over the many years since then. Um, numerous wrecks have uh, taken place there. Uh, you know, we we think about, I mean, you, I talked about Lando Norris's crash there. Um, you talk about, um, why am I forgetting his name? Uh, uh, the guy, the, you, Juan Manuel Correa, who um, is running in Formula 3 again next year, was, um, uh, who was the, the guy that ran for, he was part of the Renault uh, Junior uh, combination. He's Pierre Gasly's uh, best friend. He passed away there a couple of years ago in Formula. Oh, um, forgot. You can look it up. Let's look it up there. Um, what the heck? Uh, Spa Frank or Shop? Uh, Spa Frank or Shop? Wikipedia originally. Giant Regimental. Antoine Hubert. Yeah, so, Antoine Hubert. Formula 2. So, yeah. Juan Manuel Correa and him. Uh, 
there's massive crash, you know, like there was the W series incident. Sorry, I forgot about that one. Sarah Moore, Abby Eaton, uh, who was the Stig in the um, Grand Tour. You know, then you had Betske Visser, Ayla Agren, Balin Garcia, Fabian Woolwind. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, that was a cluster. But I mean, of course, the loss of Antoine Hubert, um, Juan Manuel Correa. Right, clipping both from the rear wheel of the front wing, he would crash an entire barren right side of the track at an acute angle to affect the sidewinds. Correa is suffering, yeah, so it's caused a well, 40 eyes are going for it on fourth down and they did not convert, yeah, because Jimmy missed that ball. So now all of a sudden it's a 10 10 ball game and it's going the wrong way. Um. I mean, we've had, uh, you, you look at, you think about those crashes, and then at Jetta there was, what is it, Egghead had a crash that he arca-braked into the back of, uh, I think, George Russell. And there was, like, they call it airplane crashes, you know, where they, they and we've had those, the, the incident that, um, took Dan Weldon's life and Will Powers involved in Las Vegas. Um, we've had those in IRL over the years, an IndyCar, um, the wreck that, um, that severely injured uh, Robert Wickens. Um, I mean, we look at that race, and I, I, I guess the Saudi Grand Prix will never, I guess I'll always remember that race for not that Lewis won, but for all the bad that took place during that weekend, um, you could see the chinks in the armor of Max Verstappen that he, um, in a time of real pressure, when he had the pace advantage right at the end of qualifying, which he hadn't, which was kind of a back and forth battle between him and Lewis. In the end, Red Bull and Max, which they had more or less had through the majority of the year, for the first time in a few races, had a chance. And in that spot, Max made a mistake. He crashed in qualifying, which in turn cost him the pole position, uh, which would have uh, likely allowed him to go off and win and give him the advantage that if he had decided to do crash into Lewis or do whatever, it wouldn't have mattered. Well, in that spot, he didn't. And then that led to all the crap that went on during the race where they had multiple restarts. Um, you had... Max not trying to make the corner, which is his M.O. Um, it's it's not a good characteristic, to be fair. I don't think there's very much good that can be said about that. Um, I don't understand how you don't address the fact that a guy doesn't even bother to make a turn. And you're that's that's not passing. I, I, I mean, making contact side by side in an open wheel car is going to be a big problem. When you don't even bother to turn the car, which he had already shown at Brazil, he didn't want to do. It's something that you need to address when he didn't do it again at at Saudi. They half-assed addressed it, and they just, I mean, that was a hold on Bosa, and they could have called that. And, I mean, he should have went and called that over there. Um, yeah, I mean, they did call it. So... The the driving standards that took place. I mean, I said a few episodes ago of what um what took place there and how how um, Max went and handled himself. 
and and the way he drove Lewis, that wasn't you know that that's not sporting. Uh, I don't care what Red Bull says. I don't care what they uh, think. Um, it's combination of what they're about, I guess, because they're not um, a team that wins with class. Um, they're gonna whine whether they're the best team or they're behind. In this spot, they had the advantage for most of the year. And then once they lost the advantage, they were going to dirty tactics and whining to Michael Massey, um, which is something that I guess now part of Drive to Survive, we're getting that extra radio feed and all that. Hopefully, and talked about it on the Grid Talk podcast, we need to get rid of that. Talked about it here. We need to get rid of that. Um, It's not healthy to have, especially in current social media. Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me, man? How does Ambry Thomas allow that fucking ball to happen? He just threw that ball up for grabs, and you could just see the smile on AJ Brown. flag. Oh, my God. I mean, Kwan Williams, at least chip him. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. He extended his arm out. He extended his arm out. That's not an OPI? Oh, my God. What a joke. Yeah, he pushed him on the back right there and got the ball. Yeah, that's... That's an OPI, they, but uh, they gave, yeah, I mean, they gave the penalty there, didn't they? Or they, they threw a flag there. I, didn't I don't see know if it what was. they saw. I, they oh. didn't call anything because they're going to commercials. So, well, the, I mean, um, initially there was, but I don't know. Maybe they picked it up. That was an OPI. I mean, it was a, it was terrible defense by Ambry Thomas. That's part of the problem. I mean, at least mug, at least chip the freaking guy. I don't care what you do. Don't even allow ryan Tannehill to get out of the pocket and be able to toss whatever the fuck he did just there but um that race to get back this is gonna be funny and i'm gonna have to listen to this show because it's gonna be funny <laughs> listening to, to live to live reactions to the niner game we might have to do live uh because i won't be able to get jacksonville games like there's i don't know when they'll ever be on national tv again but we should do a live call of either a Niner game or, or a Jacksonville game. Because I'd like to see Josh, the Jacksonville fan, actually try to go and keep his shit together while doing a podcast. Oh, so you want to know how I how I am when watching Jaguars games? It's uh, complete silence. I don't even, like, I, I have to force it for me, even for good plays now. I have to force it to, to celebrate. And usually I just sit on my couch and in silence watching the game, you know, like I'm in the press box where you're, you're not supposed to talk. <laughs> oh, you're not. Oh, I forget who was the guy on frontstretch.com. The guy that ran frontstretch.com. He got thrown out of that loss is hard card because he cheered when Trevor Bain won the Daytona 500. Um, I, I don't remember. I, yeah. Yeah. He lost his hard card because he cheered when Trevor Bain won the Daytona 500. Are you kidding me? I mean, you sound like BW now. Yeah, no, I that was, I mean, it might be, yeah, it's DW slash Trevor Bain. It's an inbred Tennessee listen to freaking televangelist bullshit that they're both into. I mean, I say that as though I, I know friends of mine who are backwards and whatever. But, um, Either way, oh, they did call it back. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's good. I mean, All right. Yeah, it was clear OPI right there. I mean, it was, I mean, they still, it's, no, it's still first down, but it's on the 30 versus wherever the hell they got it. But, no, I um, know. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, cause I'm like, oh, that was way further down, wherever the hell AJ Brown caught that ball. And now they're just going to let Hilliard run all over him. That's cute. Um, the point 
I mean, we brought it up. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. But that race was a blight, was a black mark on Formula One. Uh, we talked about Drive to Survive and maybe the most watched episode of Drive to Survive. But that race, everything about it, the standards, Michael Massey, Max Verstappen. Oh, that's a sack. Arden Key coming through. Um, Or DJ Jones. Yeah. D- or Oh, Contavia Street. Sorry. Sorry, Contavia Street. Um, the standards of driving in that race were poor. And the fact that, you know, Lewis, whatever, you know, Max, what he did, but what Lewis had to do, and then they're going to go and come back and say, oh, he has, we gave him a warning. Like, no, hell, oh, that's a hold on EBUCOM too. How the hell is that not a hold? I mean, uh, he held him and then he was able to get that ball out. The driving standards there in that race and the way things are, um, it started to put into question what's going on in Formula One and how race control dis- dictates races and, or, or decides races. The way NASCAR seems to do with SOD and Steve Phelps and all the other idiots, the Daytona Beach Mafia, uh, Liberty Media with with uh, Michael Massey and whatever. That's a tutty. Yeah, that's a touchdown. That's a touchdown. Well, I mean, it doesn't even really, I mean, like you talk about like the, dramatics of the, the situation like yeah we've seemed to be losing a lot of the integrity of the sport like we've talked about for years with nascar and everything and um the way that it's gone from being a sport that was just relatively simple going around in circles and everything and now got all these elements and wrinkles that they've added to try to spice up the entertainment and now it's might be reaching formula one i mean it's not going to get quite like that i mean if they were to ever implement a, a playoffs that would be probably the stupidest decision of all time. But um, I mean, in, in Formula One, like you saw it at, at Saudi with uh, the way that the penalties went went out and um, they were talking about the, um, you know, the penalties and the um, discussing the penalties with Michael Massey, um, the drama that went on the races. I mean, it's, um, it seems like you said to draw in the Netflix audience and there's maybe influence there. Certainly a Americanization of the uh the sport i guess you know i mean we talk about um sports like in general become over dramatized get all the views get all the content viewership all that stuff people are interested but we're um, getting all that but sacrificing the integrity of the sport and uh um you know the purity i guess of of the the race i mean we laugh at michael massey's um, saying to Toto, oh, Toto, this is a motor race. But, you know, at the same time, um, you know, they uh, made decisions there that were questionable, especially at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix, which was where that quote is from. But I mean, it's great to have the Netflix audience in. But then, you know, like, I mean, the example is like, look at Gordon Ramsay's shows in America versus in Britain. The Britain one's actually about food. It's actually about like the, uh, you know, the quality of the restaurants and what he thinks of it but then when you go to the american version i think it's called like kitchen nightmares or whatever here i mean they're both the same thing that's over dramatized they've got like uh, a bunch of stuff that you wouldn't normally think of and um i mean makes makes it all seem you know super stressful he's yelling at everybody but you know it's not really like that and uh we're getting uh we're maybe starting to get to that point in formula one where we really uh emphasize a lot of the uh the dramatic you know, dramatics of it. Yeah, that race was 
a joke. Um, it should have never taken place because that track, no matter what they want to say, wasn't a grade one Formula One circuit. It was a roller coaster that hot lapping was a great racetrack. If you're by yourself trying to race that track, uh, I'm sure it is fun. I bet if you put touring cars on that racetrack, it would be great. It's not a track for the greatest, for the best, or what's supposed to be the premier form of open wheel racing to be racing and determining a world championship on or possibly determining world championship on. Um, and that's part of the thing that defines what took place. Um, you know, that's, that's the problem. Uh, that race... Yes, Lewis won. Yes, Lewis tied the world championship to where I know I said that a few weeks ago that Max was going to run him off the racetrack uh, akin to Senna and Prost in 89 and 90 and dictate the championship result there. What transpired at Abu Dhabi, though, was not that at all. Um, or not really. Max Verstappen ends up getting the pole. And I, you know, I was nervous as a fan, I'm bringing this, you know, that's part of why you're listening to this show. As a Lewis fan, you know, practice was good. Pace was good. Lewis didn't have it in qualifying because Max was the better qualifier this year. They had the better qualifying engine, whatever. Qualifying was in the favor of Red Bull. Max Verstappen was in a spot where if he had actually gotten the start, this wouldn't have been a, a discussion. Race would have been over. I was worried. Um, but... The way that Lewis had shown up through the past month and a half, couple months, that was where, you know, it made me think, okay, there's a possibility. Um, he gets a start, Max runs him off the track or crashes into him, ends the world championship. Instead, Lewis gets a start, gets away. Max was able to, um, Max had a chance to pass in turn six on the new altered circuit. But he doesn't bother to make the corner per his uh, driving tactics. And Lewis, to avoid the collision that probably eliminates him from the world championship, takes avoiding action. Uh, the controversy starts that, uh, oh, Max was inside. He had had a chance. Lewis didn't give him back the gap. Uh, in, in the end, Lewis was the faster car. Lewis made a gap. The, uh, I think, one of the big keys in that whole entire race was Red Bull being able to defend, and that's a sack. Um, the Red Bull able to use Sergio Perez to stay out longer uh, on his tires and hold Lewis up to the point where Max was able to catch him. That played a major role. And uh, But, you know, once Sergio Perez was left out, um, taken out of the way, Lewis was able to pull away again. So that meant Mercedes was still in a position to possibly switch this championship around. Uh, the safety car for, uh, what's it called? The VSC for Giovinazzi was a place where that could have turned things a little bit. I think Red Bull didn't pit in that spot, or maybe they did. I don't even remember anymore. I, I don't think they did. Uh, Mercedes could have. But they didn't want to because they were going to lose track position. Um, that's okay, fine. The full 
safety car that occurred late, which is why I think um, Nicholas Satifi doesn't have social media anymore, uh, was where I think Mercedes could have pitted Lewis and on fresh tires, at least given him an opportunity, whether he lost the spot or not, because Max had already pitted previously and had fresher tires, you could have actually given him an opportunity to fight. Whether it ends up clean or not, uh, we don't know. But relative to what ended up happening, where Max was able to not only pit and get soft tires, they told Sergio Perez to park. They state that he had an engine, uh, a power unit issue. Um, oh, wow. He actually made a good pun. That, well, I guess it's a New Year's miracle for that fucker. Um, you know, the fact that I, I didn't like the penalty. I didn't like the, the decision making. I've always been a person who um, hasn't been a fan of Mercedes and their uh, their strat. Um, I mean, I had a, I have a co-worker of mine who brought up what Toto was saying and Ron Meadows and the whole thing, but and some of his takes on Formula One are interesting. Um, now that we're remote, I don't know if I'll be able to ever get him on since um, he's a Lewis hater and uh, he has some interesting takes outside of the grid, outside of those two guys. But what ended up happening was farcical and while at the end of the while you can say that max was a better driver and and i i'm i'm pretty much of the oak that max was a better driver across the majority of the season um if lewis had came through and won this eighth world championship it would have been his greatest world championship for nothing more than the fact that at no point during this year was he his car his situation he was never the guy, really. He would have pulled this out of his fucking ass. That's legend stuff. That shit that, like, I mean, Tom Brady, for everyone talking about how great Tom Brady is, he won, you know, he, the the behind, being behind and all that. That's, that's things like even Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods only came back one time in his career, in his legendary career to win a major. That was his last one. He had every win he had otherwise was as a leader. Tom Brady, most of his Super Bowls, he was the dominant figure. Adam Vinatieri, who should be a first ballot Hall of Famer, uh, even though whatever, whoever votes for the Pro Football Hall of Fame doesn't know about voting on kickers, they need to vote him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because there's two legendary quarterbacks that have won 8 trillion MVPs and all these all these things that can thank him for making big field goals. If Mercedes had won that super, won that race, won that race, like they probably should have with Lewis. Lewis should have been they should have made a statue of him the way that Philly made a statue for Nick Folds. Um it would have been the greatest deal he'd ever done. Instead Max wins the race on a one lap uh green white checkered bullshit restart. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the details of what took place to get him there fact they start and park Sergio Perez you know in the end he wins a world championship and I guess Josh in regards to having a new world champion a young world champion and Max Verstappen after what he did nine race wins or 10 race wins this year uh won a bunch of polls uh what does it speak to for him 
And what does it say about his ability? He's been one of the only people that's really given Matt, uh, Lewis trouble. But is he built to sustain? Is he the kind of guy, based on what his his the people around him, and you add his his douchebag father, can he deal with the pressure? Because there were times in these races late in the season that he wasn't able to handle the heat uh and and to be fair he's not real his racecraft is questionable uh for as good a driver as he may be his racecraft's questionable and it it's something that can be manipulated by the right guy and the right guy of course lewis hamilton there are other people that are out there that could possibly fight max and give him a hard time and we're going to get into that here in a moment but um thoughts on the world champion uh that we have now max Verstappen, and what they did red bull to go and beat the mighty mercedes juggernaut at least on the driver's championship side uh, mercedes was able to win the constructor's title uh this year yeah i mean i think overall i think max has the talent i mean we see it yeah so the pace and the Red Bull car, which pretty clear to us there that Red Bull had a lot of pace and that they were better than Mercedes on that front overall. But then, you know, you talk about the mistakes that they made this year. I mean, first race of the year, they had a mistake uh, at the end of the race uh, that cost him the win at Bahrain. Talk about the uh, mistakes that he made uh, at Jeddah, uh, trying to win that race and ultimately not winning that race. We'll talk about Monza, where he like you said, parked on top of Lewis's car. Um, Silverstone could have let Lewis go. Um, you know, the uh, other things that happened this year, I mean, even at um, at Jeddah, where we're in qualifying, hit the wall. I mean, that's a mistake, even if he was going for it all, uh, trying to get the pole there. But all the mistakes he made, and he had a, a lot of help uh, to win Abu Dhabi, of course, with um, Michael Massey's controversial decision-making uh, to set up the field for a uh, one-lap shootout for the win. So, you know, when you factor all that in, um, it can be sustainable, but it's definitely going to have to um, look at what he did this year and review and break down where, where they made mistakes, what they uh, could have done better, and then maybe they can avoid that next year and actually defend their title and maybe win it a little bit more legitimately, or at least, you know, have a, a lot more room than, you know, needing to win the race to win the title next year. So we'll have to see, but of course, you know, you talk about, you criticized for, or, you know, Red Bull all year with uh, their management with uh, Christian Horner, Helmet, Marco, all those guys. And, you know, they're Three kind stooges. Of, yeah, kind of enablers for uh, um, Max Verstappen. But, you know, I, I think, you know, Christian Horner, maybe he might be able to, um, you know, help Verstappen with uh, the mistakes, but I mean, uh, we'll have to see if, if that actually happens. But um, I mean, Marco's just there as a, a figurehead, a talking piece, whatever, but in my opinion, but, you know, Horner might be able to now that they've realized that they can win the title and that they can be contenders um, since uh, Vettel has left. So it's definitely possible, but um, they're definitely going to have to reflect a lot uh, over the off season, over testing, and then just continue that process uh, throughout uh, the season, you know, and we'll see what that happens. And then, you know, I mean, I read another thing online, like I guess on Reddit or something on the Formula One Reddit and Verstappen and 
seems like he has the vibe that he might be content just to win one title uh, in Formula One. That's enough for him. But I mean, he has all that talent and it would be wasted if, you know, he kind of just mailed it in after only winning one title. But I think overall, if he's able to be reflective, you know, uh, grow in his mindset, it could happen. But it's definitely um, with the way that he is as a person, definitely uh, could be asking a lot from him. Yeah, I think that that's just, you know, a thing to go and kind of take some of the pressure off or justify some of his actions. I when you consider when you consider some of his standards and the way he is, I don't think he's when you're when you basically went and said I'm going to never leave Red Bull, he, he believes he's going to go and uh win more and uh and that's because they have an advantage. Well, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like they're they're in play for longer than what this year was. I feel like the 2022 regulations, um, the 2022 regulations uh, are going to play more into the uh, Red Bull team. And you look at some of the people and some of the things they have going on, albeit, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it's all going to go and uh, look at Instagram. I'm sorry. Looking at all the hot chicks that I'm following. Um, there's Baba Booey. Well, yeah, go from hot chicks to Baba Booey. Um, uh, focus. <laughs> yeah, the that's the Max Verstappen. It's to him to or to me. He's like he's like Kyle Busch. He's a tool. Um, more or less, he's just a douchebag. Uh, he he has major character defects. Uh, he has proven without a shadow of a doubt he can't take responsibility for his own actions. Kyle Busch, even to this day, has issues with some of his actions. But he is better with older age. Um, so the hope is there maybe that Max Verstappen recognizes some of his own defects. I mean, the fact that his, his girlfriend's a whore um, and she cheated on his on her her, her husband with him uh and that that uh of course uh that uh her husband was in the same driver development program as max i mean to be fair she's a pk so i mean uh, nelson pk senior went and had multiple wives her brother nelson jr questionable standards so it all kind of makes it makes sense they're all together. Mac Yasser uh, Stoppins, a woman beater and a piece of shit, um, and a terrible race car driver. So the fact that Max is actually decent is probably a miracle. Um, but is this the best representation for Formula One, or is this like a gimmick for Drive to Survive? That's what I I, I wonder. To be fair, um, winning ten races though. What, however it happened, you've won 10 races and you won all these polls. It's hard to get away from those statistics. It's not like Kyle Busch's cup championships when he missed a third of the season and he backdoors championship, whatever, one championship. And then the um, second championship was handed to him because both of his teammates shit the bed. I, it's He was the, the guy. Uh, Lewis made him earn it. Lewis was screwed out of it, but Mercedes didn't help him either. And Lewis's the way he handled it 
That's the thing. I look at it as a fan of Lewis, and I say that if Max Verstappen was in that same spot, he would, and Yas Verstappen had to go and give congratulations to to um, go the other way to Lewis Hamilton or to Anthony Hamilton, it wouldn't have went the same. And that's what gives me solace for what happened uh, that day. But you know, we'll see what happens. I, th- I mean, Ayrton Senna was not happy with formula one they weren't competitive he knew that mclaren wasn't really going to be competitive in 93 tested an indy car uh because marlboro was a common sponsor between them and emerson fittipaldi and penske you got to run it oh there's debo take it all the way please take it all the way take it all the way oh i need that <laughs> oh you have them yeah yeah so um, that was a big, oh, man, he's not getting up. Please get up. Um, but um, there's, they, yeah, his die fell over. And then, yeah, so I can deal with it. Like now we've gone away and among outside of people who are Max Zealots or people who just don't like Lewis, I can deal with this loss. It feels different. But then people want to think that he ain't getting up. That's not good. He's breathing hard. Okay, he might be a little gassed. He's just, yeah, gassed, got the wind knocked out of him on that tackle. And we just need, how long do we have? Three something. First and goal, need a tutty. Give it to, give it to Kittle. Yeah, Kittle hasn't done, they've taken Kittle out of this game, which is interesting. Yep, he's going to be out for a play, so. They're going to look for Ayuk or Jeff Wilson in this spot. Hopefully they make a mistake and let Kittle go. Yeah. And that's what it is. But I look at this season, what Lewis is able to do um, to win eight races, to even be in this spot. He's one of the greatest drivers ever. I don't think there's any denying that. The only people who want to deny it are haters, and that's fine. Um, you're never gonna can you're never gonna convince that the LCD of greatness. It's the same way people shit on Jimmy Johnson or they shit on whoever, you know, Jeff Gordon or Earnhardt or Senna or Prost or it, 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 it greatness. People are going to hate on the people that win all the time. And I think what happened this year was a product of the fact that Lewis has been the dominant figure uh, since 2014. And, and it's, that's fine. But, this is one of the best jobs he's ever done in his career. And we can deal, I mean, I as a fan, I, I honestly feel like he's coming back next year. I, I have a hard, oh, that's a tutty. Ayuk, let's go. They're going to give him a flag on that, but whatever. That's a touchdown. He actually threw a good ball on that. Um, I think this game's going to overtime, so we might have to go longer on this show. And anyways, we have to go longer on the show because we haven't discussed anything outside of Lewis and Max. So um, Lewis did a good job. He's coming back. He ain't leaving uh, the way that this ended. Um, he's going to be motivated. I mentioned it last last episode. I posted it, but I, I mentioned in the previous episode, that's an extra point. It's inside, yeah, um, that the last two times he's lost a world championship, he came back next year and won the world championship. The new regulations, I'm pretty certain that Mercedes has been looking at those regulations ever since they came out anyway and been preparing. Red Bull, their excuse for not being on pace, one of their many excuses, because that's all they're about, 
oh, we're looking at next year, we stop bringing upgrades. Oh, well, you didn't, that's BS. But, uh, Lewis, you, you just, anything to downgrade Lewis's greatness for your own benefit, that's fine. Um, Max is never going to be as good as Lewis Hamilton, and it doesn't really matter, and you can't convince me otherwise. Until he gets the 103 wins or whatever the hell uh, Lewis has, and he he can go and suck a dick. I mean, he is a dick sucker anyway. 103 wins, 103 pulls. Tell me when Max Verstappen has that. He'll need about 15. He'll need about 15 years or whatever the hell. 14 years, the same way as Lewis has had. When he gets gets to that, then we can have a discussion. And when he has seven world championships, which he um, he'll need six more, uh, and he'll join the duo of. Schumacher and Lewis. With that, we'll transition into more positive, I guess, lighter topics in um, in Formula One. Uh, I'm gonna break out of this. Um, we we're talk. We want to go and talk about uh, the battle between Ferrari and and McLaren in um, Formula One Formula One 2021. Um, there that. The standings in regards to the drivers saw uh, Carlos Sainz beat Lando Norris by four and a half points, beat his own teammate by five and a half points, and Daniel Ricardo was eighth. So fifth through eighth were Ferrari McLaren. Uh, Ricardo was the only one of those that won a race, but Lando Norris for most of the season was a dominant driver of those four. But over the year, mentioned it multiple times on the show that the most balanced driver lineup might have been Ferrari because Carlos Sainz got multiple podiums. Charles Leclerc got multiple podiums. Qualified on Poland Monaco and didn't get to play it off. That was a battle that was its own separate thing that made Formula One more interesting through the season, Josh. And something that we have to look for because both of those teams have struggled in recent years and they showed at times during this year that they're ready to get back up there in uh 2022 for the new regulations yeah i mean it's gonna be interesting with formula one next year for these two teams for uh, mclaren and uh ferrari when you talk about uh mclaren they had kind of the better pace i think earlier in the year of course uh down Str- ricardo struggled uh, a lot and then um, ended up getting that win, but still after that uh, didn't quite have uh, the results, but he was performing better than his teammate. Uh, Lando had been third in points for most of the first half of the year and then fell off after, especially after his accident uh, in Spa. He had that one-two finish, but then after that, uh, and of course the uh, Sochi mistake as well. Um, So he could have gotten a win too, but then uh, talk about, um, their fall off towards the end of the year, but Ferrari, uh, they began to pick it up, uh, you know, throughout the, the season. Leclerc had his issue at Monaco, was on pole, uh, could have won that race, uh, could have uh, had, a, a, you know, a winning car, but uh, for, unfortunately didn't even make the start um, due to his uh, uh, issues with their car. Um, and, you know, of course, he crashed in qualifying as well or in practice, uh, wishing to help, uh, but I mean, I think they they had a lot of uh, upside towards the end of the year. Uh, I think uh, Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, both of them uh, pair well together as teammates. We've talked about it multiple times. Uh, Carlos Sainz had four podiums 
on the year. Of course, the last race of the year uh, had a, a podium, um, which was a bit of a surprise, but he was able to get one. Uh, Charles Leclerc got one podium, uh, both in comparable numbers. Lando had four podiums. Uh, Ricardo had one, but of course, Ricardo is the only race winner out of this group of drivers. Um, so it's going to be interesting going to next year. Both these teams, uh, I'm sure that they've everybody's all had a, a look at the regulations uh, for next year and see uh, how does it go. Um, I think uh, both of these cars, drivers are going to um, like the new regulations more. I think overall low downforce is probably the way to go. Um, seems like that's the theme uh, for all motorsports. Uh, it's the way to go. Uh, encourages more passing. Um, we're going to see a lot more uh, attempts at overtaking. Um, we're going to see, you know, a lot more things happening. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think for Ricardo, who's going to have to get used to the car again because he had that struggle earlier in the year. But uh, it's going to be interesting seeing both of these teams uh, adapt uh, to the new re regulations. And uh, we'll see if uh, one of these guys can lick a stamp and send it, uh, you know, in going into the corners. Martin Brundle reference. Yeah. There you go. Well, that's, I thought Ricardo said that. I thought that's, that's his phrase, but still, and now the Tennessee Titans getting a first down and big first yeah, down. Getting it. Yeah. Tannehill. That. Yeah. yeah. That was so. Yeah. Greg old. How do you let him do that? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a uh, D'Amico Ryan's calling great defense there. Oh my God. There's first time out. They've called in the second half between either team. Um, Niners are probably going to lose this game after they had a 10-0 lead and probably should have been up 21-0. Uh, this is all on Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, it's pretty sad. Uh, but, you know, with the way the NFC is, they still might be in the playoff picture uh, anyway. But Tennessee is in good shape, even though the kicking situation isn't the greatest there. They just gave this game away. Showing the highlights. Yeah, that's that's cute. Um, yeah, the McLaren-Ferrari situation, that was a good battle for most of the year. Uh, Lando was the best driver of the four, and but the best combination, as you know, we both have said, I think, through the year is been the Ferrari combination. And Carlos Sainz is a guy that we have to look at honestly, for an impossible future world championship. And it sounds crazy, but it isn't crazy. He's driven for so many teams that um, he understands all these different, he's gone through all this stuff. He's ready. Um, Leclerc's the great talent. He's somebody that Ferrari has been developing and speed-wise, uh, he is amongst the best. He can do one lap, but he also can compete in a race. So it's something to see. Lando Norris has built up every year and gotten better every year. Yeah. Ricardo's Ricardo, one of the best characters. He's what makes, he gives Formula One flavor. Um, and he's at a team that kind of suits him. Um, hopefully the new regs play into his favor because it would be good to see Daniel Ricciardo contending again. And McLaren and Ferrari being in there with Red Bull, Mercedes, whoever. Uh, I think the, another piece that was there, I mentioned it earlier, there's Red Bull and Al, uh, with, I mean, Alpine and AlphaTauri. 
Pierre Gasly was one of the revelations of the year, albeit last year he won the Italian Grand Prix. You know, all the stuff that had gone on with him previously. He's become one of the best drivers on the grid, and he carried the Alpha Tori team on his back. But the Alpine team was behind most of the year, and Qatar flipped the script. Uh, the Alpha Tori team had qualified up front, and the race went the other way while Alpine went around them. And you had Fernando Alonso, very motivated, very happy to be there. You had Esteban Ocon finally meeting the expectations that everybody had talked about in regards to him. That battle is something uh, that was really cool. I mean, you know, Yuki Tsunoda late in the year, some of the newer tracks was able to show his pace and show his ability, but too many mistakes. I compared him to Kumasato. I think he is basically to Kumasato 2.0. So you're going to get the good, you're going to get the bad, but it's going to be flashy. Uh, That was an interesting battle. Uh, Alpine, I wonder what they're going to be bringing to the table in 2022 because Alonso, everything he said was, oh, they're talking about 2022. Let's see if they're actually going to show up in 22, right, Judge? Because... The, they need to because um, Oscar Piastri, especially for Alonzo, whether it's Piastri or whether it's or I mean, whether it's Alonzo, whether it's Ocon, Oscar Piastri is a Formula Two world champion. Uh, they want him in a seat. He's an Aussie, but they want him in a seat for sure. I mean, yeah, I think with Formula One, with uh, with Alonzo, it's going to be an interesting deal because this is his contract uh, here because he signed a two year deal. Um, and we assume that this is going to be, you know, his uh, final uh, appearance in Formula One after this. Uh, we're not sure he's going to last after this year. He could, I mean, I'm sure he's capable of doing it, but I don't know if he wants to. Um, he's already starting to downplay his role uh, in the series with his team uh, as uh, they make the field goal there. It looks like the Titans are going to win, but anyway. Yeah, I just so, turned it yeah. on. So <laughs> yeah, but. I mean, any, anyway, though, I mean, Ocon, um, I think this year he got kind of, kind of lucky with that win in Turkey. Um, but, I mean, he certainly can be a capable driver. But, of course, I mean, he finished outside of the top 10 in points, even though even with that win, he's the lowest-ranked driver um, of the winners uh, this year. Um, so it's going to be interesting there. I mean, Gasly's been carrying water for uh, Alpine for a long time, or for – uh, Alpha Tori uh, for a long time, so that that's going to be a interesting uh, thing if if you ever upgrade to a higher seat because I mean clearly uh, Alpha Tori is kind of the junior team they're beginning to become more independent but it seems like by default they are the the junior team for uh, Red Bull so it's going to be tough uh, to see where where is he going to end up uh, if he ever decides to leave Alpha Tori um, so. It's going to be interesting battle because I think both these teams can be, I guess you could say, wild card teams for uh, Formula One. So we've seen them uh, surprise uh, finishes. You know, Gasly last year, or you know, back in 2020, Italian Grand Prix, Alonso had his uh, podium back in uh, Qatar. Ocon with his win. Um, we haven't really seen a whole lot yet from Yuki Tsunoda, but yeah, it was just his rookie year. So maybe next year he'll uh, start seeing. Uh, you know, some of the same results that Gasly's got, maybe he'll challenge more for the points. So we'll have to see, but 
uh, we could, especially yeah, with Sonoda, we could see a lot of wild card potential from both of these teams in 2022. Yeah, and that that was that's something that I guess with the new regulations, maybe AlphaTauri will be able to show up. Alpine has put a lot into that. Uh, you, I mean, today there was news of. Um, Mercedes going and putting starting their engine for the first time for the new car. So there's that, um, you know, Haas uh, getting their car homologated before Christmas. And when you consider how big of a piece of shit it was, the car they had this year, I'm sure they had plenty of time to develop this car uh, between Mick Schumacher and Egghead. They probably want more than what they had this year, which was the worst car on the grid. Mick Schumacher at times was able to get into Q2 and got finishes just outside the top 10, no points. Alfa Romeo with their, what is now their previous driver combination, got a few points, but later in the year, it kind of fell away. Uh, They were right on the edge. Antonio Giovinazzi actually showed up late in the season, was able to sneak a couple points, Uh, but they had lost a lot of ground to Williams, who had been the team that had fell to the back of the um, table in the constructors uh, in a year where I was thinking about this in regards to all the great people we've lost in motorsports. Um, You know, recently, just a couple days ago, Bob Keselowski, after a fight with cancer for many years, uh, passed away. So condolences to Brian, Brad, uh, Kay, uh, and the whole entire Keselowski family and everybody and their loved ones. Uh, You know, you think about the Unzers with Bobby Unzer and Al Unzer, uh, you know, Bob Jenkins, Robin Miller, other people that have been involved in motorsports. It's been a rough year. And not just, you know, that's outside of COVID, you know, and then you think about where we are right now and uh, with Frank Williams, too, who passed away and a great man, uh, you know, his life was so severely affected many years ago, car accident, and he still stood up uh, or I mean, it's poor choice of words. I'm sorry. He still um, was able to fight and he persevered along with Patrick Head and he um, built one of the best teams in motorsports and they battled and they battled big factory efforts and they won world championships and uh, with so many great drivers, so many legends of the sport drove for Williams. And I think a future legend of the sport drove for them in George Russell. And George Russell basically uh, moved them to eighth in the Constructors' Championship after multiple years of being dead last, not getting any points or very few points. George Russell uh, was able to qualify in Q2, a few Q3 appearances, of course, most uh, um The best uh, example of that was qualifying second at Spa, which in turn gave them the points, the 18 points they needed um, to move them up ahead of not only Haas, but uh, Alfa Romeo and um, give them eighth in the Constructors' Championship as now with Sir Frank Williams passed away, Doralton uh, in full control of the team as they move towards 2022 with Alexander Albon, one of George Russell's closest friends, 
taking over that seat as George Russell moves over to Mercedes to take over for Valtteri Bottas, who will be going over to Alfa Romeo to essentially replace Kimi Raikkonen, a former uh, world champion, a man of few words, fellow Finn, uh, one of the better drivers over time here in the last, I guess, um, two decades. But um, and Antonio Giovinazzi is going to be replaced by Guan Yu Zhou, uh, the Chinese driver who brings money to the table. Uh, so that'll be something to stabilize the Sauber Alpha outfit. And Giovinazzi will be running Formula E and also be a co-test um, driver, reserve driver with Ferrari, along with Mick Schumacher, who will continue at Haas or Hass, as they say on the, um, uh, you know, the feed on Sky, along with Egghead. So that's, um, you know, Formula One this year, at least on our end. I, I don't know. what Did, did you have anything to uh, say in regards to those last three teams? I mean, George Russell proved why he's going to be in a big-time ride. Uh, I've heard some hot takes in regards to George Russell's ability and talent, but he's pretty darn good honestly um latifi you know he scored some points but at hungary but he's not really that good uh he's just lucky that his dad's rich and lavazza coffee's good uh that um alfa romeo gets a complete reset going into 2022 and kimi and leaves of course he's a great driver man a few words very dry in his sense of humor Never lost the party, um, even in his current state of being a dad of two kids um, and married. But uh, Italian Jesus Giovinazzi will uh, continue in Formula One and also be able to drive in Formula E. And then, of course, Haas, what are they going to do? Or what do you think they have, considering it's it's kind of like a reshuffle and a restart with everything that involves Haas and to uh, extend outside of what we're talking about here, Stuart Haas uh, going into next year. Yeah, I think with uh, you know with Williams, they're they're going to have a, a new driver, of course, next year, and they're you know still going to have Latifi, but it's going to be a while before we see Williams really be be anything. Um, I think Alfa Romeo, you know, they're they're getting a new driver in Valtteri Bottas and. You know, I mentioned it before. I mean, I think he's a really good qualifier, so he's going to um, maybe get them in, into Q3. Um, never was out outside of Q3 during his time in Mercedes. So I think, um, you know, you're going to see a lot of good qualifying efforts, I think, from from him. Um, I think, you know, Haas, uh, they've, you know, they, they definitely hit rock bottom in the series. Um, I think uh, it's going to be interesting if they can ever make it back Uh to where they were a few years ago, you know, talk about earlier with uh, Drive to Survive. I mean, they were one of the uh, teams featured that year uh, when the first season of Drive to Survive, when they had K Mag, Kevin Magnuson uh, as one of the featured drivers, and they they it looked like they had a future. You know, they um, they went and cleaned house basically as far as the drivers went with Mick and uh, uh, Nikita Mazepin replacing uh, Romain Grosjean. And Kevin Magnuson both went to the United States this year and they, they took a step back in their pace and in, I mean, at least one car, their driver performance. So, um, I mean, they're bringing back both of them next year. Of course, uh, Mick is uh, going to be a, a, a 
test driver Ferrari uh, for Ferrari in the meantime. So it's going to be interesting if he ever gets an opportunity to get into a Ferrari seat. Um, you know, he's uh, been a uh, very good talent. I mean, there's a couple of times where Mick Schumacher uh, was definitely, you could see some of his talent, but also had some low lights as well during the season. So um, you wonder if they're going to be preparing for the 22 uh, 2022 car regulations uh, this year and if um, you know they're going to um, have what it takes to be better than what, what they were this year and um, maybe you know the American connection with low downforce is there for them you know maybe maybe we see some of that uh, spirit I guess and they perform better than what they did maybe they actually score points uh, which they failed to do and they're the only team uh, full-time to not score points at all uh, during the season here in uh, 2021. Yeah, and that's something that we have to see in regards to new regulations and what's coming. I mean, the, there's going to be more Grand Prix than ever before. Next year, um, guards to driver changes, as I mentioned. George Russell will replace Valtteri Bottas at Mercedes. Valtteri Bottas will replace Kimi Raikkonen at Alfa Romeo, who's retired uh, from Formula One. I figure he's going to race something. Uh, Guan Yu Zhou is going to replace Antonio Giovinazzi uh, in the second seat. It was it um, Albon replaces his BFF uh, at Williams. Otherwise, uh, the rest of the grid, I think, yeah, everything else is stable. Um, Max Verstappen, I think, said he's going to run the number one next year instead of number 33. And um, so number wise, I'm not sure what some of those other, I mean, Albon runs 23. I'm not sure what. Guan Yu Zhou will be running next year. Uh, I'm trying to think who else, if there's anybody else that's coming in. I don't think so off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in regards to Formula 1 this year, is one of the most interesting years we've had in a long time. It was a battle between two different teams, two different drivers, and the team that I think had the relative advantage across the majority of the year ended up with the championship, even though it didn't fall in the favor of my driver or my team. It's something that's racing. Uh, some years you're the favorite or you're the team that's up there, and then sometimes you're not. So it is what it is on that front. Uh We'll get into fantasy here. Uh, I'll let you talk, Josh, before I get into what happened to me. Uh, you were able to go past uh, Joey and uh, score a lot of points, get yourself into the semifinals. You're still in this uh, deal. I'm going to go and switch over to my other account to go and see where um, the fantasy uh, situation is since uh, the Niner-Tennessee game is over. Niners uh, decided to shit the bed in the second half after having a 10-0 lead, and they lost that game. So I'll let you go here as I go and work on uh, the fantasy stats. Yeah, I mean, I think with the last week in fantasy, um, it was an interesting matchup. I mean, with Lamar Jackson got injured week 14 and put him uh, into question for uh, week 15 and did not uh, end up playing, and then managed to pick him up last minute, Tyler Huntley, uh, or yeah, Tyler Huntley last minute for uh, that game. Like literally, I was walking back from to the parking uh, from the Jags Stadium when I attended the game last week and 
Uh, it was a uh, saw that Lamar Jackson was uh, declared out and barely had enough time. I was looking. Uh, are there any good QBs uh, that are already starting that I could pick up? And decided to pick up Tyler Huntley. Um, so that was a good pickup. Of course, I mean he might be better than Lamar. Better at being Lamar than Lamar is. I mean, ran past well, probably passes better than Lamar. So that's going to be interesting and uh, should deserve a spot on the team next year if he doesn't return uh, to the Ravens. Uh, or if he decides to move to another team. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, outside of him, I mean, he's re- really saved me last week. Um, but uh, it was kind of average. Otherwise, as far as output, um, nobody else scored more than uh, 21 points on my team outside of Tyler Huntley. And uh, those are really saved me. Of course, Joe uh, had Jamar Chase only score with like one point. So uh, that was not what he needed. And then, um, uh, yeah, other uh, other than that, he didn't have all, all that good output either outside of Patrick Mahomes, who of course, had that big, big game uh, against uh, the L.A. Chargers, um, which they shouldn't have won. Uh, they um, shouldn't have the Chargers wasted too many opportunities to kick field goals and take the game out of out of reach and they failed to do that but that's what helped me last week and then of course tonight uh in the quarter or in the semifinal got um facing against wilson and looks like so far projected to win you know 67 percent to 33 percent and right now i'm in the lead uh since uh debo samuel just had a big night george kittle didn't have the greatest night thought he'd have better numbers this week but um didn't get the ball to him had a chance that at beginning of the game uh with um jimmy garoppolo throwing the inter- interception um that was a, it was a poor throw and probably a, a bad play but tennessee was able to take advantage of that and that was definitely one of one of the turning points in that game or uh tonight so uh looks good so far but of course the final coming up if i make it i am, am concerned because it looked just looks like I um, mean, unless something happens, I mean, it looks like uh, Vic's got this one because he's got a better team than most everybody. It helps when he's on the subway and he gets to pick up every fucking person on earth uh, for uh, the waiver wire. That's yeah, part of the reason why he has over 100 moves. Um, I also blame him on the fact he just got married and he has nothing else to do with his life. Um, on my end, uh, I had a team that was second in points. Four, I think I was last in, or I was like points against. I was one of the teams that had the most points against. And five and seven Rutgers will replace Texas A&M and play. Wow, that's the biggest. That's the biggest bowl game that that Rutgers has ever been in. They're gonna be in the Gator Bowl. That's a New Year's bowl game. Wow, yeah, that's, that's here in Jacksonville. Yeah, replacing uh, Texas A&M. Yeah, because they have the vid. Texas A&M has big-time vid issues. Um, Well, that's something. I actually have to watch the Gator Bowl. Um, In my case, I mean, I got eliminated out of my league or out of the league that I won last year uh, with, you know, brutal circumstances over the last few weeks of the season uh, and got eliminated, finished seventh in the regular season. So I got knocked out in... Uh, my matchup last week, Aaron Rodgers showed up. Uh, Keenan Allen was okay. Uh, Josh Jacobs had a middling stat line, no touchdown. Justin Jefferson, um, 
I mean, when it comes to people that went above their projection, only two people went above their projection. Najee Harris shit the bat against Tennessee, which I guess I should have saw coming this week for the Niners. Mike Evans got hurt and didn't do shit. Um, Justin Jefferson fell below his projection. Taysom Hill shit the bed, and now as the vid, or at least is in the vid protocols, uh, Aaron Jones had a good stat line, but when you consider you lose by 41 points to Manny, uh, who only had 167 points, I mean, I'm looking at this. He got double-digit points from every player. His IDPs got me by, what, eight? 16 and a half, uh, 24 and a half, that's one, uh, 26 points. I lost by 41, uh, 26 points is right in the IDPs, uh, 10.4 in the QB, the super flex, then Najee Harris, you have Antonio Gibson, uh, got him by 16 points or 15 and a half. So there you go. Um, Mike Evans, you know, just based on side to side, uh, basically the, the, uh, no matter what the projections were, they were all in my favor, but the players didn't bother to show up. And unfortunately I get knocked out of my league. I get knocked out of an opportunity to possibly go and win another championship, which is pretty fucked up, but you know. When it comes to things, I mean, last year, Josh finished second to Wilson. So now he'll get another opportunity against him. second to Joe last year. Or Joe, I mean, sorry. And then Wilson, um, I think, finished fourth. Um, And I'll play Joe in uh, this year. I'll play Joe in the um, uh, fifth place game. And... So that that will be something. Uh, Vic, of course, has the best team. He's won I don't know how many games in a row. Uh, if he doesn't win this league, it'll be it'll be amazing because he has he has a lot of great players. He even picked up Alexander Madison. On top of that, just earlier today, picked up the Detroit defensive end that's been going off. He has, he redid all his IDPs. He has Cooper Cup, Jonathan Taylor, and he has Tom Brady. So we will see in regards to that matchup. Uh, in regards to the uh, uh, semifinal, as Josh mentioned, I mean, Kittle struggled, but you know, I think they Tennessee made it their job to take him away. Uh, Garoppolo didn't have a great game, uh, threw for over 300 yards, but threw two interceptions. That's four points that would have been in the favor of Wilson if he had, if Garoppolo had actually played a decent game. Bosa only had three solo tackles and a one for loss. So it's big advantage for Josh, who picked up Aaron Donald, who had, he had the better uh, waiver position over me, or else I would have gotten him. Uh, so right now it's even in regards to players left, uh, but uh, Josh has both of his quarterbacks playing as long as Lamar Jackson does play, and um, Wilson needs a DB but it's uh, even in regards to that, there's only basically, what, 10.5 points uh, between them. 
it's going to go down to the wire there. It'll be interesting to see. We'll see what happens in regards to my game against Joe for fifth place. Um, doesn't really matter because we're not going to be on next week, uh, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, trying to see what do we, what should we do here? I want to go through some news, some news uh, items. Um, I mean, Josh mentioned the whole Alonzo role. Uh, there's been, uh, you have gtd pro field latest manufacturer with the harder racing okay ross con alex rubiris maxine martin the angels camel turner ian james okay martin number six martin to work car works was a porsche lexus so that's news that was today so oh okay that's cool um in regards to garage 59 reunites of mclaren for factory and garage and british measure gt3 programs oh interesting asian lamar all right um indycar uh extended their contract with delara calls and calls to possibly doing some alternatives in regards to the chassis um, to make them uh, look better or make it look different. Uh, because last you mentioned earlier, uh, you got Ferrari saying that their car and engine will be innovative. Maserati MC20 looks pretty cool. Uh, Sebastian Loeb, multi, what is it, uh, nine-time world champion in the World Rally Championship, stating he's going to be on the pace. And what is it, Matt? I one shift. Um, Streamy uh, says they're going to be able to run the next year Monte Carlo rally. This is a secure deal on support. The reason seven times just one rally stage. Oh, so he's driving as um, he's driving for Ford, and he's going to have a woman co-driver too. That's interesting. Um, that's something. They have rally one regulations with the electrification of the rally cars, so I'm curious to see what that'll be. Um, also with OGA, he's going to have a new driver, um, co-driver with him. So that'll be something, uh, Mercedes relations, the mending. Well, yeah, well, uh, Karen Horner, uh, will be the team principal another five years or four and a half, four years plus OJ Swan song. Oh yeah. And OJ is done. So semi rally retirement and, you know, so that, so they need, something to come up in regards to um the uh, world championship for them or world rally is going to go through a big transition now um with OGA basically being out of it full time and Loeb only scheduled for one so the two Sebastians who have won so many world championships in uh, recent time will be going away Garcia racer.com this is a Motorsport.com. Um, trying to get racer.com to come up. They were talking about um, got PR1 Matheson going to a two car program in the IMSA series with uh, Trio and Ben Keating, Pierrot 24, 11 was a co finder, Win Motorsport. Oh, so it was Thomas. I don't know who that is. Stephen Thomas. Okay. Josh Pearson, team of the 
We also have Thousand, Techno. Now the killer will be pulling double duty. So as we can, between the 52 Orica car and the 5 JDC Miller Cadillac. Yeah, because Ben Keating's crazy. There's an American driver that will be running in Formula 4. You got MSR, Arctic Wolf, whatever that is. I don't know what that is. A leader in security operations. A lot of presidents of 60. 60 Indy cars are in by Castroneros Pagano. 60 of sports car of Jarvis and Blumquist. Yeah, Speedway Motorsports also uh, bought out Dover. And Nashville too, right? And, I mean, yeah, Nashville probably close both of those by the end of next year uh, to go and get extra races. Um, already at factory pushing gain. Uh, trying to go through all these uh, balancing. Uh, but is it Miles Rowe uh, trying to get money to continue in his um, battle to eventually get to IndyCar? Uh, so that exists there. Um, I mean, there's a lot of news, but, and then Alex Zanardi, um, released from the hospital a year and a half after his paracycling crash. It's big news. Um, God bless him and, um, his wife and his son, uh, in this battle in order to see one of the greatest motorsport people and what he's went through to fight back. Um, there's also the Herda award team and uh, dragon speed for lpq at the rolex which is something that we'll talk about on the next episode uh paddle award colton herda in regards to i mean we should have been talking about uh i mean award got the test of mclaren during the young driver test colton herda was rumored to be possibly driving for alfa romeo because michael andretti was going to buy the team but that fell through so uh, those two guys, I've been racing with each other for many years, racing against each other, racing together in the Rolex. But it's something we'll talk about in a couple of weeks' time in the IndyCar series recap and the general outside of that open wheel, I think, talk about Formula 3, Logan Sargent, who is now Williams' uh, test and reserve driver. He'll be running in Formula 2 for Carlin next year, so America's hope. To get a Formula One driver will be at Williams. Uh, Josh, I'll let you um, get into the uh, sim segment uh, here uh, before we go and sign off. Yeah, this week, Philip, we were at Indianapolis in the iRacing IndyCar Oval fixed uh, fixed oval setup series, and uh, Tuesday night, I think, uh, managed to actually win for the first time at Indianapolis Motor Speedway in the IndyCar. So. Um, that was a good, good, uh, win there. Um, seems like this week though, for the Indy cars, uh, on that track, the setup was, um, not really that great. Like last, I guess, yeah, the last, uh, season, the setup was at Indianapolis, uh, seemed better and you're able to actually pass and, um, get runs. And this time it was like, um, it was basically like the 2018 Indy 500 where, you know, if you, uh, could make up spots and restarts you were good but if you couldn't you know it was just game over you can't pass that's basically what it was and um the the cars uh somehow felt tight but also loose at the same time and so you're pushing seems like on your own but then like corner exit you get a little loose and start to slide um so you had to be really careful there but yeah managed to get that win um 
it's kind of off of the pitch strategy and then kind of just saving uh, fuel uh, throughout. And then uh, some of the leaders uh, earlier in the race had crashed and whatever, but, you know, I was able to do that and kind of, yeah, continue to raise up the I rating and the safety rating and all that stuff. So we'll um, continue to race there. I'm, I'm basically off uh, for, you know, the rest of the year. So you know, I won't be able to I race, but, you know, as I'll be elsewhere, but, um, you know, the, um, the streams, which I did stream a few times, not the win actually, of course, which is usually how it goes is if I win, I somehow managed to not stream it, but, um, uh, I'll, I'll post the replay of the win later when I get back, but, uh, the, uh, stream, of course, you can go to Twitch TV slash UCLA two, and that's where you can go and watch all the iRacing stuff and all the other gaming streams that I've got. So, um, that, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I mean, well, I guess, uh, there was another thing that I saw but the, um, I guess the company that produced NASCAR 21 motorsport games is uh, in hot water with its investors and they're trying to sue that the investors are trying to sue the motorsport games company and um, before they release the IPO there's some some uh, controversy or whatever but um, clearly it's not going well for them because they they started out the year the beginning of the year they opened onto the New York Stock Exchange and uh, they started out at like $35 a share or something like that. And now it's down to like $4 a share last time I checked. So um, clearly not going well based on that, based on what people have said about the game. Uh, so it does not bode well for the future for this company. And then of course uh, they are producing the um, IndyCar console game that should be coming out in 2023 or this year. So it doesn't look good, but we'll see what happens. But uh, especially if you thought you could invest in this company, uh, you sure lost a lot of money unless you were trying to short the market or whatever, but that's another discussion for another day. But yeah, that's all I got. Of course, as always, Twitch TV slash user two, and then uh, Twitter account at JB Huffine and see all the stuff that I talk about on there and all the Jag stuff, all the racing stuff. So yeah, that's where you can follow me. Yeah, I mean, the Jags have hope, even though last week didn't go as well as you probably wanted it to, but you got rid of your coach. So, um, I mean, maybe they'll actually give um, Trevor Lawrence the reins and let him kind of take over. I know he's not a, I mean, he has to be an alpha. Uh, that's why you draft him one overall, but um, I know he's probably isn't ready yet. He's young. Uh, but there's opportunity here in the last three weeks to kind of set a tone. You probably don't want to because you'll get the number one overall pick and have a chance at picking a defensive, you know, stud or whoever it may be um, in that spot. But we will see in regards to that. Um, Niners loss tonight is gutting, but um, I don't think it's season-ending because uh, they get to play Houston next week, and a game that on week 18 is likely to get flexed um, as things stand right now. Um, that would be something that might determine playoff positions. Uh, maybe it won't determine anything at that point, and then they'll just put every bench player out, and it'll be the worst Sunday night football game there's ever been. Um, but we will see about that. Um, I'm at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, Grip Strip Podcast is at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. Grip Strip Podcast is on Podbean. We're on a- Apple. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Podbean, Pandora, uh, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, and um, other uh, podcast 
places. Basically, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find Grip Strip Podcast. 90, ep- 90 plus episodes in. We're going to take time off for New Year. Uh, while Josh is away, I'll be taking some time off too to rest, uh, to actually recharge because I'm kind of grinding myself into the ground during the last uh, few months between work and bowling and other things, try to get my game back a little bit in a sense, um, hopefully get back to the form that I was showing, high-scoring form. Uh, been out there and being average, but trying to score better. We'll see what happens um, health-wise, uh, gotten away, but um, feeling better now. I'm hoping to feel even better than that here for Christmas. So uh, with that, I uh, want to wish you all a uh, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, Happy New Year, um, Happy Holiday, Happy Kwanzaa. If you celebrate um, Hanukkah, I know Hanukkah passed a while back, but Happy Hanukkah to you all um, that do celebrate that um, holiday and religion. And um, I sound like Sal Governale reading this. It's bad. Hi, my name is Sal Governale. And I was, yeah, I'm no idea. It's... Fact of the matter is, happy holidays. Take care of yourself. Take care of one another. Uh, this uh, virus is still going around uh, because of selfish LCD people. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your loved ones. Take Think about what matters most to you, but while at the same time also looking at your fellow man and woman and trying to make sure that our society is able to last. Um, that's the only way that we're going to be able to do things here. So think about that. Uh, thing about going and um, helping those less in need. Um, I know I used to do that, and it was worthwhile and very fulfilling. So might be time for that, even in this this uh, COVID time. Uh, follow me at Philip G Matthew Twenty on Insta. I'm on Facebook. You know, Josh is on Facebook. Um, we can go and interact with you guys. Um, growth of the show is coming along. So I've seen a lot of downloads recently. So that's pretty cool. Looking for more uh, going into the new year. So, uh, Josh, you have anything to sign off on? I know. Just, you know, Merry, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry, um, Happy New Year, all, the, all to listeners. And, you know, yeah, uh, Happy Hanukkah if you celebrate. Happy Kwanzaa, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, um, glad to end of the year. And, of course, uh, Merry Christmas to you. And all your family. Merry Christmas to you and yours, brother. I'm glad that we get to do the show together. And it's been an interesting time here this week. And uh, but uh, hopefully we'll be able to make it through this next couple of weeks uh, all right, so that we reconvene in early January to discuss the IndyCar season. Um, Formula Formula Two. We'll talk about Formula Two, Formula Three, Indy Lights. All in that episode, probably, um, and then go from there uh, to start 2022. But before then, we'll think about now, and we thank you for listening to the Gripster Podcast, uh, for your support, for anything else you've been able to do for us. But uh, for Josh, this is Phil. Take care, God bless, and goodbye.